Welcome to Back to Devi. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Time, one of many time zones that hates PayPal. For those not knowing, they've just started to fine people $2,500 for misinformation. So I will be in every Campus of Can Slack channel to tell the guys to stop using the phrase, quote, potential day two draft capital, end quote. All right. <laughs> this brings us up to what is today's show is. It's going to be players that some consider Devi assets that we do not, as in I am not in. But first, we are the Premier Debbie Show, brought to you by Camps of Canton. I'm Mike. This is my co-host, Corey. We are officially halfway through the season. Is that is that right, Corey? We're halfway through the season? I believe so. I mean, depending on if you want to count bowl season or whatever. But yeah, we're right about at the, the midway point. Okay, so the non-Devi assets are halfway done. That's noted. Corey, tell us about some news going on today. All right, so first we're going to head over to Ole Miss and talk about tight end Michael Trigg, who unfortunately suffered a broken collarbone. Now, I don't really think he was having the season that maybe we expected him to, but uh, this one hurts a little bit. A lot of analysts were starting to move him up the rankings, um, was generally regarded as a top three guy at the position, but uh, another year lost to injury uh, to go with the last one last year. It's definitely going to hurt his stock a little bit. Um, Heading over to Ohio State. Uh, wide receiver Jackson Smith Najigba is expected to return next week. Uh, he's been dealing with that hamstring injury, but um, Emeka Buka and ha- Marvin Harrison have been going off without him around. And uh, even Julian Fleming has seen a little bit of a resurgence with uh, with JSN sideline. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, his return kind of affects the wide receiver playing time there. Um, heading over to NC State, uh, Devin Leary, quarterback, some people are kind of excited about for this year. He sustained a shoulder injury last week. Um, he's not going to need surgery, but he is going to miss some time. Um, you know, he was that trendy pick to be kind of this year's Kenny Pickett uh, climb the quarterback rankings, but it hasn't quite been able to build on his strong season last year. Um, and stop me if you've heard this one before, um, but Georgia running back Kendall Milton sustained another injury uh, this time to his groin. Um, I honestly don't think he's been playing that bad. Um, there's just a lot of guys getting touches in that backfield. And we actually got to see true freshman Branson Robinson la- uh, last game got, get some run. Um, finished with 12 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. Looked really good. So maybe we get to see a little bit more of him since Milton might be out for an extended period of time. Um, some more injury news heading over to Cincinnati where quarterback Ben Bryant is injured. Now, this is less to do about Ben Bryant, and this is more to do about Evan Prater, who might get some playing time now. And it's unfortunate that this is what it's going to take for uh, for him to really get uh, some playing time. But Bryant really hasn't been playing terribly. So um, uh, it, there hasn't really been a door open for Prater to get some time. You know, he was a guy that I was clearly too high on to start the year. <laughs> but maybe he can recoup some value here if uh, he gets a chance to start. Maybe maybe did what J.J. McCarthy did a few weeks ago and never give the job back. I'm hoping anyways. And uh, last but lot, uh, last but uh, not least, here more quarterback news at Kansas. Uh, Jalen Daniels is, is is expected to miss the rest of the season with a shoulder injury suffered last week, which is uh, a pretty damn shame. Uh, he was kind of having a breakout season, maybe pushing for a legitimate player in that 2023 quarterback class, but uh, we can probably expect him to be a 2024 guy now. Uh, that all covers the news for midweek here, but make sure you guys are keeping it locked on the Campus of Canton podcast and YouTube network for everything you guys need to know leading up to week seven. Yeah, going back to Jalen Daniels here, the replacement that came in, I don't know his first name, but Mr. Bean there. He Jason looked, Bean, yeah. J- J- Jason Bourne plus plus <laughs> Mr. Bean combined. Anyway, he, he looked good. I, I feel like that offense is probably going to still click. It's not going to be that much of a speed bump for them to be successful. But uh, let's just talk about some some highlight performances going on this week. Uh, Izzy, Izzy Abanaconda, Pittsburgh running back, 320 for six touchdowns. Corey, is he a top eight running back in this class? 
Man, it's hard to say. This this class just keeps getting deeper and deeper at running back in my position. Um, I've always liked Izzy. Uh, talked about this before, but when we did our initial top 30 NFL big board, he was the one guy I had in there that nobody else had. Um, I've, I've already taken him out, but I'm going to be putting him back in now. i got to put my stamp on the guy. Um, <laughs> and a uh, noted Pittsburgh guy, Austin, always really in on him too. Um, we we always thought he was the best back on that back in that backfield. You know what? This game was just amazing. Set the ACC record for the most touchdowns in the game. Um, was only 19 yards away from setting the most rushing yards in a game in the ACC. He's got good size, 5'11", 215, um, verified 4.540 yard dash, verified 39-inch vertical as well. So he's got that that athleticism. He's got that burst that you want to see. But honestly, man, there's just so many damn names in this tier. I mean, you've got guys like Andre Miller and Zach Charbonnet. You've got guys like the Georgia backs, like Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton. You've got Jason McClellan at Alabama. Then you even got your G5 guys. If you want to talk about Dwayne McBride, you want to talk about Lou Nichols, or you got your smaller guys like, like Devon Chain and, and uh, Blake Corum. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, if all these guys are going to find places in the NFL, like I'm almost starting to legitimately hope that some of these guys are going to stay to 2024. And I know we never want to hope that we want those early, those early declares, but I'm worried there's not a lot of room for all these, all these backs at the next level anymore. Actually, I'm with you. That's a good point here. Cause I, I'm not sure if he gets that draft capital and if he if Scott's are like you're not, you know, one of these premier assets this year, which, you know, I think the top five is pretty locked. I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. He might go back a year. I mean, he really would. Uh, so I think that's a really good point that he actually I think he actually probably is a go back candidate. I, I think his play style comps really well to Tyler Algier. He's he's a guy that I think would excel in his own concept at the next level. Uh, but yeah, I, at the minimum, it's day three for me. I think he could probably find us. He's one, he's going to be either a high end handcuff or he's going to be one of those guys that like gets to start a job. So I, I do like the skill set a lot. I think he's going to find his way onto our rosters, but like actually, like we're going to use him at some point in time in NFL. Like whether it's like bi week fill ins or like he's filling in for someone that's hurt. But no, I, I like him a lot as a player here. I, I don't think he's he's beating up on really poor defenses. West Michigan, Rhode Island, Virginia Tech. I mean, he did really well against Tennessee, we too. So I mean, it's not a completely fair statement, but yeah, I don't think Tennessee is that great of a defense this year so far anyways, either. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the point definitely is valid. Yeah. He let, he let Jaden Daniels get like 13 points on him somehow, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I think, and also like, he's a good wide receiver. He's a good receiver. So he really hasn't shown up on this on like, he hasn't shown up as a receiver this year. So that's a little cute. I think that's just them not wanting Keaton Slovis to throw the ball. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, taking the ball out of his hand at all is probably a good, a good thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the offseason saying this guy is good enough to be mediocre in the ACC. Like, I, uh, I your mean, poor, your poor Mumfield shares. Yeah, I so much cannot on Mumfield. But all right, let's, <laughs> let's get into the next one here. Uh, and just from listening for me, I, I think I think he is probably slotted in my top ten. But definitely top 12. So he's definitely in those discussions. We'll definitely get a lot more clarity as the year goes on. But he is for sure a Debbie asset for me. Uh, Cameron Ward here uh, through six games. Uh, we've seen some lows. We've seen some highs. And, like, you made a tweet out there recently talking about how he, he just can't get tackled, man. He's, he's just slippery <laughs> out there. Um, I know I was listening to uh, – not Cambound, excuse me, Campus Life uh, earlier today. And Felix is out there saying that he's just one of the best improvising QBs. Is this hype legit? Is Cameron Ward legit? We talked about him the offseason and cooled on a little bit. We're talking about him again. Is the hype legit? 
Yeah, so through six games here, I do I do feel like I've seen a player who gets a little a little better every week, a little more natural every week. I guess I mean we remember this was like a pretty big jump in competition for him, right? And I think I've seen flashes of maybe something special there. To be honest, you know he's starting to push the ball downfield a little bit more. That was something he wasn't really doing in the beginning. Probably a comfortability thing. Still getting chemistry with some of these guys, and and like Felix was saying, his improvisation skills and his pocket presence are actually they're excellent. They really impressed me last week. Like I mean the way he was avoiding tackles, you saw that was like some Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes stuff, man, and I'm not making that comp, whatever. But he, he avoided the rush. He flipped it like Mahomes would. I mean, that's that's a lot of quarterbacks can't do that stuff at the next level. They don't have that that natural in, instinct to do that, right? So, is he the massively productive guy that we were kind of hoping for? Maybe not yet, and and maybe by virtue of that, he, he's a little bit of a letdown considering where we we're taking him and stuff like that. But 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 I see things that I really like, and I'm, I'm still excited to see where it goes. Um, for me. I think the hype may have been warranted. I think he's still just adjusting to the game. And I think that we could see a guy that's probably goes on to the 2024 class as well um, as he starts to adjust to, to life at the P5 level. Yeah, I'm with you there too. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing on the field. He's definitely not off my radar here. There's just some things you can't teach and just his awareness and his just instincts are, they are NFL level. So I, I'm with you there. There's just some things you can't teach. Now let's go to another quarterback who I was, uh, dissing on pretty hard earlier in the year. Uh, Jackson Dart, he threw for 450 yards and three touchdowns. Is this hype train legit? Is he just like Cameron Ward here? Are we still in on him or what? Yeah, I think this was probably the first week he kind of look, looked a little more comfortable. He hasn't really looked like the guy that we were kind of hoping. I really think those offseason narratives that we had about him kind of pushed him a little bit too high, which, which is really based off two good games last year. I know a couple episodes ago you tried to tell me that it was all the games he was good at, but it was really only those two games in the Washington State game and the UCLA game where – uh, the rest of them he threw for like under 250 yards and like I don't even think he threw multiple TD touchdowns in the rest of them so there were some signs there 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 was those boom games but there was those signs there that he was maybe not the guy that we thought he could be of course he was young we thought maybe he could grow right um it's still nice to see him perform well here um nice to see a little bit of a splash from uh wide receiver Jonathan Mingo there too you know he used to be a pretty well respected Debbie asset but he faded off the map pretty hard here in recent years but yeah I mean maybe this continues maybe now that Trig is gone we could see another little boom here from Jonathan Mingo a guy who has good size good pedigree um good verified speed as well I think he's in the four four so um we'll see if he can maybe become a senior bowl candidate as well but but um I'm, I'm I'm not anywhere near where I was on Jackson Dart at the beginning of the year nice to see that he's doing well I just hope I can start him in my CFF leagues pretty soon. All right, let's roll on to a player that I actually do really want to talk about. Uh, and I'm just going to just get a little chef because every kiss begins with K. This is for Chris K out there who's been pushing <laughs> Brew McCoy on mm-hmm. us in the Slack channel every day. I'm going to talk about Brew McCoy. He's filling in for Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman is out with a broken foot, I believe. Is that correct, Corey? I'm not sure if it's a broken foot because he, he sounds like he might even come back soon. They're, they're supposed to be evaluating him at the end of the week. So I don't know if it's a broken foot or just something going on there. He's in a walking boot regardless. So it's something going on with that foot. All right. Everyone listening, just ignore that I said broken foot. But he's out. And Ruben <laughs> is in. And I think he looks good uh, this past week uh, against LSU, 7 for 140 and 0. The week before that against Florida, 5 for 102 and 1. Uh, this dude is 6 foot 3, 220. Corey, can you give me the brief background here, just the the narrative behind the player, what's been going on the last couple of years? Yeah, I do believe there's a lot of pedigree here. Was he a five-star or a very high four-star? He was definitely a very, very high recruit, um, committed to, to you. Was it he five? He was a five-star. He was it a was five-star, a, ninth yeah. national ranked number one athlete. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew he was, I, uh, there was a lot of pedigree there. Um, ended up committing to USC. 
um, left before the spring because uh, head coach at the time, Cliff Kingsbury, ended up going to uh, the Cardinals. Um, so he decided to go to Texas before the summer even started. Now, before the summer even finished, <laughs> he decided to transfer back to USC. Um, so a, a lot of weird recruiting things going on there. I'm not too sure what was going on there. Uh, he did take a redshirt year that year over some health issues. I'm not too sure what it was. Maybe that was even pre-COVID. I don't know. That was in 2019. So maybe he got a little bit of COVID there or something. Debuted in 2020. Um, didn't do much, like 240 yards or something like that. Now come 2021, ended up getting charged with some domestic assault and getting arrested. Now he did have the charges dropped. Um, so he was able to continue his career. USC didn't want anything to do with him after that. So he decided to transfer to Tennessee and now he's kind of been doing what he's been doing. So it's been a crazy ride for this guy. Uh, a lot of pedigree here though. So maybe somebody we could pay, pay attention to, but I'm pretty much out on anything with a guy with domestic assault. So, <laughs> okay. But that's a good point, but that's yeah. really gonna be, that's gonna be between him and the interview process for the NFL. If, if yes. these guys, I don't know what the real story behind it. I don't know the context, any of this stuff. I'm just reading like, the headline you know so if if it's something the nfl team thinks it's is not a big deal or wasn't whatever the nfl team determines that this isn't a big deal this is this is fine and they give him that draft capital that's that's gonna be like i think the biggest question mark with his profile is the behind the scenes stuff but gonna go to stuff on the field here i liked what i saw a lot i really did i thought he was a hyper athlete they were using him in different levels of the field too his usage changed too it's like very noticeable going from week three to week four uh, how they use him differently. I think, I mean, he's super athletic too. And with this size, like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty in on him straight up. I really am. I think he can be a really good player at the next level, whether it's just a simple slot role, but I mean, he's, he's being used on gadget plays. I mean, that just screams mm -hmm. athlete, you know? So uh, did you get to catch any, uh, Brew McCoy on TV at all? I didn't actually, I know he's a very exciting player though. Um, and, and I mean, I don't want to touch on this too much or whatever, but we've seen cases before where sometimes it's a little bit overblown, somebody looking for money and sometimes it's the actual thing. So we don't really know what happened here. There is a lot up in the air. The, the, ch the charges were dropped. So we may never know. We may never know what happened. He could, he, there could be nothing wrong with this kid. Maybe we should be in on it. It's a little bit of a red flag for me though, regardless, and not somebody that I'm kind of keeping too many tabs on. So if he goes on to do great things, it's good for him. I hope it works out for you. I hope it works out for Chris K, but this is just somebody that I'll, that I'll keep my hands clean of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love the player profile. I love the athletics, uh, the background profile. It's questionable, but you know, we'll see. We'll find out. We'll get some answers here soon. Year one zero again, not a lot of earlier production here, but he's always been a guy that's just been hyped up that can do more than what's been shown so far. And I think we're finally going to see that here. Uh, let's roll into let's, I mean, let's roll into the main part of today's show, Corey. Uh, a lot of people talk about these hot Debbie names. We're now at the point of the season where it's all recency bias. I mean, last week we're talking about DJU is back. Like, come on. And then this week it's Hendon Hooker now, it's the QB1. Like, Corey right now is currently choking on screen. He's he's muting himself, but he's he's choking because he's hurting about today's climate <laughs> on Debbie players. <laughs> so I want to talk about just popular names in this space. And contrary to popular belief, not not everyone is going to be day two upside. All right, or day one for that matter of the fact. So let's let's just go by position groups here. And I'm going to start off here with quarterbacks because I'm I'm just gonna get this out of the way right away. Keaton Slovis, he's not back. He won't be back. He's not coming back. It, R.I.P. Okay, Spencer Rattler, pass. All right. Well, he can't pass, so just pass on him. All right, and we're going to go into DJU. I don't care that he had one good game the last two years. He's still not a Debbie asset, so get that out of the way. Who else we got here? Bo Nix. I got 
I'm gonna tell you this, Corey. I got bored a little bit last year by Matt and uh, Kevin because he had two good games, and they're talking about like you don't think Bo Nix looked great out there? Let's give you a Debbie asset. Like, I mean, yeah, for those two games, sure, but like the rest of his career. So anyway, so pass on him too. Okay, he's he's gone. See you later. Hey, you you were in on TVD at the beginning of the year though. Yes, you were. Don't lie. I, I didn't bring up his name yet, but I will not be talking about Tyler. Oh, Van I thought Dyke. you were talking about TVD. Sorry, shit. See, I'm DJ already moving U. ahead. See, DJU and Bone. DJU. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke of Miami got benched against a terrible team. I can't remember what it is. Um, and I I mean that kind of seals it for me. I mean, you really can't be benched. And not go to the draft that year. I mean, you gotta like play another year. I mean, you gotta do a whole year of good football to offset that. So uh Tyler Van Dyke at Corey's joke, or not Corey, excuse me. Um, Felix is joking around in C to C slacks that he's gonna be in the transfer portal. And I, I think that's just <laughs> hilarious. He's I think he said, I can't wait to watch him play at SMU next year. Um, <laughs> so uh I, I was big on Tyler Van Dyke. I thought he was a quarterback that elevated his offense. I, I thought that was very obvious last year with um, Mike Harley and uh, Charleston Rambo trans, uh, going to NFL. Both of them were UDFAs. I'm actually not even sure if Mark Har- Mike Harley even got to UDFA, but I thought he was a guy that elevated his offense. It just hasn't been true. I just worked it up to a slow start, but, I mean, that's it. You got benched mid-game. I'm good. What about yeah, you, yeah. Corey? <laughs> no, I, I think there were some signs there with TVD already. And some people were definitely in on this early. There was a lot of people saying that they were kind of worried about him this year, that he wasn't really a, an asset or whatever. And, and like the wide receiver core and, and the lack of chemistry that he has with that new wide receiver core is is a problem as well. Um, you know, even the guys he's trying to get chemistry with, with like Xavier Strepo there, he's in and out of the lineup. They can't get nobody to, to really break out, right? I think tight end Will Mallory led them in receiving last week. So he's just relying on whoever he can, but... I generally like agree here. He's, he's a tough one to figure out. Um, there's going to be things the NFL likes, though, I think. He's got arm talent. He's got pocket awareness. He's not a mobile guy, but he does have mobility in the pocket. That was one thing I noticed when I did study him in the offseason. But like you said, he, he's not doing much this season. Um, he's not elevating a team that needs somebody to elevate it. And, you know, he's not backing up that that arm talent and that pocket awareness that I see with, with some with some production behind it. You know what I mean? For some people to really look at. So um, the, the Miami tropical storms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, he's a tough one to figure out. Um, I mean, y- you nailed it with the rest of the guys. I mean, Keaton Slovis going, has been going downhill for, for years now. The stats have steadily declined. If you aren't out on him already, you should be, I don't know what you're doing anymore. Uh, Bo Nix. Hey, if you got Bo Nix on your CFF team, you're doing pretty good though. Okay. He's, he's been killing it as a CFF asset right now, but I mean, we've seen this guy for years already. We already know everything about him we know what the passes like we know why the interceptions happen he's just he's just not it you know i just don't see this i i just don't see with him especially when the play break when the play breaks down he's just he's not a good guy when everything's not not working perfectly but uh i'll move on to my guys here i have two quarterbacks that i want to talk about uh first guy i'm going to talk about i actually talked about a little bit in the beginning and i kind of feel like it's unfair now because he just got an injury but i was going to talk about uh nc state quarterback devin leary i got a, a guy a lot of people are propping up into like that top five quarterback uh, area in the preseason. Uh, I wrote him up for the Debbie guide. I came away feeling just okay with him. That's why I was kind of surprised why people were talking about him so much. You know, he's got good enough size, 6'1", 212, slow start to his career, uh, really only took off last year. Um, when I watched this tape, I saw a guy that, you know, good enough arm strength, mechanically sound, generally a good feel for the pocket, someone who can, you know, pull the strings of an offense. Um, but, but that was just a problem similar to like TVD is that I don't see anything that really transcends him into the next year. Uh, into the next year. Um, I thought he really struggled to throw with anticipation, to throw wide receivers open. Um, he almost offers nothing as a rusher. 
Um, and now halfway through year six, it is now it's year six for this guy. You can you can arguably say he he regressed from last year, which is which makes it look more like an anomaly than a trend. You know, what I mean, he wasn't going up. Maybe maybe that was just an anomaly for him. You know, he only passed for over 245, 245 yards one time this year. He's got 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, and he currently has like a 70 PFF passing grade, which currently puts him around Debbie legends like Jaden Daniels and Sean Clifford at Penn state. Um, so uh, I don't necessarily think he's bad or that he doesn't have an NFL future. I'm just of the thought that he's a backup at best, you know, kind of like your chase Daniels, um, your Matt Moore, maybe your case Keenum type, you know? So, so that's kind of where I sit with, with Devin Leary. Hey, Case um, Keenum went to the playoffs. Don't disrespect that. Hey, man, those right? guys are those guys are good guys to have. You have to have a, a good a good uh, backup quarterback. I mean, uh, believe me when I say, as a Vikings fan, the guy that we've had behind Kirk Cousins for the last couple of years, and we even tried with Mond. It's been absolutely horrible anytime anybody stepped in. I wish we could have a guy like Devin Leary as our backup. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but these these are the only guys that beat Tom Brady too. I mean, Nick Foles, Nathan Peterman, <laughs> uh, Mark Sanchez. I mean, these you need these guys that nobody cares about to beat Tom Brady. I feel like all these guys, too, for some reason, have started for Miami at one point in their career. So maybe he's bound to be a Miami quarterback. I don't know. <laughs> they always get these guys to start for them uh, at some point in their careers. But anyways, my second guy here, I'm going to move on to another guy that a lot of people are kind of high on entering this year. Um, I do think he's an exciting player to watch on the field. Definitely has athletic gifts that not a lot of players have. But I'm going to talk about quarterback uh, at Louisville uh, named Malik Cunningham. Uh, this guy rushed for over 1,000 yards last year. Uh, rumored to run in like that 4-5 or five range. So definitely has those gifts. Um, but he just never took that step forward passing that I, that I wanted to see. Um, I mean, he had a career year last year and still didn't even hit 3000 yards, uh, passing only through 19 touchdowns, um, only through six interceptions as well, but still not the numbers we really want to see from a passing perspective. Um, he displays a lot of those typical tendencies of like a dual, a dual threat guy, right? He's not a guy who works through his progressions. First rate is covered. He's quick to take off. Um, got a big enough arm to kind of make all the throws, but sloppy mechanics, uh, throw some erratic passes all over the place. I mean, he's already thrown three interceptions to, to only three touchdowns. So uh, it's just, just another guy like Leary who's not following up last season like we might have hoped. I think, you know, last year's massive sin- ma- uh, massive finish too kind of gave some recency bias towards Malik um, heading into this year. Um, but I can picture him kind of being like, once he gets on the NFL level, being a very frustrating player for a coach to try to teach those tendencies out of, to like run first or whatever. You know, we, we already see with Malik even a little bit and and uh, Mike Vrabel getting all pissed off in the preseason with him doing that and benching him or whatever. But And we're already into year five here with Malik, right? Yeah, and he hasn't shown the progression to now. I'm just not sure if he's ever going to do it. I just keep adding guys to the show sheet behind your back. Corey, I'm telling you what, I'm talking about three more guys. I didn't write two of them down. I wrote them down mentally, though. Okay. Right, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel, because I have to apologize from earlier on. I think the very first episode I mentioned. I tried to tell people. I don't even know why you were talking about him. I, Felix gave you shit, too, about talking about him on a Debbie show. And I'll, good, so go ahead. Apologize to the people for telling them that they should draft this guy. I didn't realize how big he was. I thought he was like six foot two. Okay. And then I find out this year that he's five foot 11. Look, if a guy is like sub six two, really like sub six one. He has to be an elite rusher, an elite scrambler. He has to be able to do something with his legs. And Dylan Gabriel is not that guy, not at five foot eleven. And I'm going to talk about two more guys. I'm talk about Jaron Hall and Hendon Hooker. Oh, I'm not okay. in on either one of these guys because they're older. I, that's like the main reason why, because they're older. And I don't think they're doing enough for their age either. I mean, they, Joe Burrow was older, sure, but Joe Burrow was amazing. I mean, Hendon Hooker and Jaron Hall are not Joe Burrow. So there are. Older prospects that do make it, yeah. But these guys haven't progressed long enough. Like, Hedden Hooker, I know he's going to be 29 by the time his rookie contract comes out. 
29. <laughs> 29. Oh, okay. that, 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 that's crazy. And like, so I, I talked, no, what I'm saying by the time his, his rookie contract runs oh, up. Oh, his rookie contract adds up. Yeah, okay. when it runs up. They do the fifth year, he's going to be 30. So, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like with quarterbacks, I don't necessarily hold everybody to this analytical threshold of early breakouts or whatever. I mean, Joe Burrow was like a super late breakout that we never saw coming. He was crap until then. Nobody even respected but him. Those until breakouts then, so. were so prolific, though. I don't think they're on that level. Like, they're Hooker's definitely been not pretty on that. prolific. He's just been a prolific in a different way, like a dual threat way, I guess. And the offense is also going to cause problems, so I get that as well. You know, the same kind of shit that happened with with Matt Corral and Sam Howell. That 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 kind of ding them in the in the draft process as well so that's probably going to happen to hooker as well and he is a little bit erratic as well but i guess we say this all the time which is kind of stupid but it's tools man he's got <laughs> he's got the okay. arm he's got the build he's got the mobility um i think he looks really good i don't know if he's a first round guy but i'm not out on him as a as a okay, i was guy. gonna i was gonna ask you if you can narrow it down between day one and day two because day one's like you know, they're going to start for three of the years at least, but day two is like their projects. They're like, maybe. Yeah. See, I, like I kind of think of him like I maybe in a sense, not the same type of player, but kind of like a Jalen hurts who went in the round two and kind of has become this guy. Now. I don't know if, if hookers got that in him, but he needs to get somewhere and probably sit for a year, maybe a, two years. And maybe that first year might look rough or whatever, but he's, he's going to be a little bit of a project, but he's somebody that I do like. He's got, he's got some interesting tools and, and some interesting things about him that I, I think could succeed at the next level. So he needs like the starter to get hurt type of deal and then just kind of take it over. Possibly like, or be or be as bad that. as Carson Wentz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. yeah, if he goes anywhere that maybe he might get a shot, you know, like, like Malik Willis is here. I don't think a lot of us like Malik Willis, but he's kind of behind Tannehill and Tannehill's not cutting it. So we kind of want to see him now. Right. So if he just gets somewhere exciting like that, then maybe maybe he can do something. You know, I think uh, senior bowl and stuff will be big for him, too, if he ends up going. So uh, which I mean, he, he's definitely a senior, so. <laughs> He'll definitely yeah, get there. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the issue with the Titans is their offensive coordinator. They just haven't been the same since Arthur Arthur left. No, no. And Atlanta's been kind of fun with him as well. I mean, I know the last two weeks have kind of been a little bit off, but they, they were like one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL up until like two weeks ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. I see like Dines sort of getting upset that they're not throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. It's just like, I mean, Arthur knows this guy can't throw. It's Mario. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. And we oh, all yeah, know, and he's, we all know and, Ryder can't throw either. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got two, you got two of the exact same guy pretty much. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like with Mariota and Ritter, it's two of the exact same guys, same same strength, same weaknesses. Like it, you're gonna change from one to the other, and nothing's gonna change. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's roll into running backs here. Uh, I'm gonna start with one that's a little bit more controversial with other people at Campus Decan. I'm gonna talk about Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. I'm not there, man. I just don't. I mean, we saw Hassan Hassans do really well last year. I liked his physical profile a lot more, and his athletic well, probably not his athletics, but his physical profile was a lot more uh, conducive to like a workhorse back. And he got, I think it was the very last pick in the fourth round this past year. He's hasn't even touched the grass at the NFL level here. It's Michigan. I'm just so tired of Michigan assets being hyped up every single year. So I'm pretty out on Blake Corum. I know he's not catching balls this year, but he caught balls last year. So I'm really not super worried about that aspect. Um, But I'm not really into Blake Corum as a running back mostly because of the Michigan tag. If it was probably like, I try to, if he did, was doing these stats at like a different school, I think I'd probably be more in, but I'm just kind of tired of the Michigan narrative hmm. of, of them being anything at the next level. Yeah. I really want to dive into Blake Horm's tape this year. Cause I actually did, uh, I do some videos with Brandon Lejeune in the off season as well. We do like a buys and sells. Corm was actually one of my sells after watching, uh, after watching him last year. Um, 
I mean, to start the year, he's been really good without Edwards around. Um, so uh, I kind of want to see if there's something I'm missing here. But Michigan has also had a pretty easy schedule, and that was one of one of my issues with Corum last year was that he seemed to beat up on poor rushing defense, struggle against the better ones. Um, I also didn't love his size either. I know he's listed at 210 now, um, but he was at 200 before, and I'm not sure if I if I truly believe that 210. Maybe he's at 205, which wouldn't be that terrible. I think he's at 5'8", so he's got a little bit of a stoutness to him. But either way, he's going to be a little bit of a study for me because i got to see if there's something that maybe I missed or whatever because he has looked good, but again, it's been an easy schedule. They haven't needed needed much more. He's, he's been ripping apart these defenses right now, um, but I do tend to lean your way. I, I have no shares of him. I've, I've shied away from him in drafts. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on this one, man. Like, Blake Corum just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, so for everyone listening here, his, his last two games were away games against Iowa, 29 attempts for 133 yards and one touchdown. That's 4.6 yards per carry. And then uh, week six was against Indiana, 25 carries for 124 yards, and that's five yards per attempt with one touchdown. I mean, he, his big beat-up game was against Maryland, which is just a terrible defense. Uh, and he got 243 yards and two touchdowns. And that's when I think the community started wrapping up that recency bias. And it's just like, this guy is great. Um, Michigan's usually a, I mean, they're a pretty good offensive line. I mean, it's kind of the same offense every year. Um, nothing's really been surprising here. And so I, I don't know. I'm not really in on Blake Horm. I think he gets drafted. Yeah. But then I think he gets lost in the depth chart. So I'm not really in on him. I think he's a day three guy. It's just two sacks of a class for him to get anything elevated for me. Yeah, we've been talking about it already. This class is just so stacked. It's hard. It's hard to find places for all these guys. And the guy I'm going to move on to here is another guy who's going to have a hard time, I think, finding a place in this class. And I'm going to I'm going to talk about Minnesota running back Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, I do want to start out by saying I love this guy's story. Right, under recruited kid, um, started as a redshirt freshman, went over 1K in his first season. You know, he's been a staple pretty much for this Minnesota offense ever since he came in. Um, gets insane volume. Is has been like a borderline first round CFF pick for like the last three years or whatever. So uh, he, the production's definitely been there. He unfortunately tore his Achilles last year. Um, ended up making it back for week one this year, though, which a lot of people didn't expect. And so we're in his, our fifth season here. Uh, he's gone for over 100 rushing yards in every game. So, so what's not to like here, right? Um, but to me, it, it, it starts with a little bit of lack of athleticism. He just he just looks slow to me. I call him slow-mo. <laughs> right? I know I have a couple of friends who like him, and that's what I always call him to. And I, I know speed isn't everything to a running back. I just don't think he's a very explosive athlete either. He doesn't shoot out the out of the holes. He doesn't shoot off the ball, you know. Um, we're also talking about a guy who just tore his Achilles, so it's probably sapped even more off of him. I mean, you know, I will say that I'm impressed that he's come back as strong as he has, but he's very much on that, like, James Robinson, Zach Moss type of spectrum for me. You know, bruiser, good contact balance, two down banger, um, but limited athleticism compared to his peers. Uh, pretty big lack of receiving numbers as well and usage. So it, it's hard for me to picture an NFL future for, for Mo unless everything kind of breaks right, like it did for Robinson. But we're already seeing a team drafted a first-round running back over him and is already now slowly starting to work him out of the offense now, given what we saw last week. So it's just a tough road for these types. And I just I have a, I have a hard time seeing Ibrahim succeed at the next level without exceptional circumstances. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. He is the first player that I wrote about that I had fans come and get my ass. <laughs> yeah, because he's because he's got his crew out there. A lot of people Dude, really yes. like him. I thought that he like as a runner, he just follows his blockers, but he's he's not he doesn't have that vision or like the instincts to do like those cutback lanes. He doesn't see them. He doesn't execute them. He's like, I'm gonna get every single guard my blocker can get, and then I'm gonna try to fall forward. A lot yeah. of volume, yeah, a lot of volume there. Yeah, so it's it's like okay, you can follow your blockers, and you can hit the hole. Like that's kind of the minimum requirement as a running back at college. Like, congrats. So it, <laughs> it's um. 
No, but he's been a great college running back, and I, I also do love his story. And last year, he went off to an extremely hot start. Um, he's in his fifth year, and I don't know if you know this, but only three fifth-year running backs have been drafted the last 10 years. Like, that's it. Just for you. Crazy. It gets a really low hit rate, once you, especially once you pass that fourth year. Even even fourth-year backs, I know the analytics don't love them too much either, but, like, once you get to the fifth year, man, it's it's rough on these streets. Yeah, so and with the injury history too. So I'm with you. I'm not in on him. I, I wasn't on him before the ACL tear, but I'm with you now. Uh, a guy I want to talk about here, just who just got hurt too, talked about in the news, <laughs> uh, Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton. I wasn't big on Kendall Milton or Chase McClellan for that fact uh, earlier in this offseason here, mostly because of the injury concerns and the amount of talent behind them. I thought they can get – um, like overtaken, you know, like Branson Robinson now just had a good running game. Branson Robinson continues this, uh, this, this production. And also notice that like Kenny McIntosh, like did, did they ramp up Kenny McIntosh at all? Uh, once, um, once Milton went down? No, they actually, it was Dejan Edwards, the third back on that, on that list. You got yeah. like three touchdowns and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole uh, mess of a back. So back. there's like another flag now for Kenny mm-hmm. McIntosh. Cause I do like the size. I like the hands, but it's just like, they clearly, don't believe in him down the middle. They just don't no, believe him down Kenny the middle. Kenny McIntosh hasn't been that great of a rusher this year, this year either. He hasn't been super efficient, at least early in games. Yeah, it's like, man, you're wasting that size. Like, get it done, dude. People mm-hmm. like, like, dudes fine. Wish they had that size. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, so, so Kendall Milton, I'm not in on it. I wasn't really that big on him. This injury here really kind of solidifies it for me. I, I'm just, I get it. It's a Georgia running back and it's so hard to fade Georgia running backs. Um, but he wasn't really in my, I think he was like on the outskirts of my top 10, but like, I think I'm good now. I'm probably dropping him quite a bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, as a, as a Georgia guy, I'm always going to hold out hope for this guy, but it is starting to feel like a, like a, like a Zamir white, but he's not even producing like Zamir white. He's got the damn injury history and stuff. He's going to have to test like super good to even get this. At this point, I'm, I'm almost thinking he might even come back. I don't even know what's going to happen with him. If he keeps getting, if he keeps losing his chance to be the guy by, by keep getting nicked up all the time. But, uh, but yeah, I I kind of see where you're coming from. I'm always going to hold a hole for this guy, but I don't actually think I, I I alluded to it earlier. I don't actually think he's been bad on the year. I just think he's not doing anything to 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 earn or, or completely take over that backfield and and yeah, not right. like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know you know what I mean like they where they can't take him off the field. You know what I mean? Like he's not doing anything like that. He's so they're getting popped from other guys, and then you know even they they pop in Dejan Edwards and he goes off for three touchdowns. Where are those three touchdown games for for Milton? You know what I mean? Like I, it, it's been tough road and I don't know. I can't make any more excuses for him anymore. So uh, I'm with you there. I'm going to head over to my guy. You actually mentioned him briefly while you were talking about Kendy, uh, Kendall Milton here. Um, but I'm going to talk about Kansas state running back. Deuce fun. Um, I, I really like the guy. He's a fun collegiate player. He's been a monster for my C2C teams, shifty, quick, good receiving chops. Um, and sometimes, sometimes he's honestly the most productive player for Kansas State. He's like the whole offense for them. Besides uh, Adrian Martinez this year, who's just been stealing all his freaking touchdowns and pissing me off every time I got to watch the game. And I'm trying to get some do so on touchdowns and he just keeps stealing everything. Um, so please share Adrian Martinez. Um, but this all just really boils down to one thing with these Vaughn and it's the size. He's five foot six, 175 pounds, right? This guy is just like so freaking small. There's, there's an extremely limited list of, of running backs being productive enough to make a difference at sub 200 pounds. And the list is virtually non-existent for backs under 180 pounds. Um, 
I know I'm not really bringing anything new to the table with what I'm saying here, uh, but the, 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 like the main problems with Deuce are well-documented, but I still see people out there who are really excited for what he might do at the next level. And I just think he's a complimentary player at best. That's honestly what I think he's going to be at the next level. I think best case scenario you're looking for is probably like a Tariq Cohen. And I'm not even sure Deuce is as electric as Cohen. And don't get me wrong, like Deuce is plenty twitchy, he's plenty quick, but, but I've seen Deuce struggle to completely pull away from a defense on those long runs or, or really get behind the defense. So I don't even know if he's on that, that Cohen level of speed um you know if he can pack on some weight then maybe you look towards like uh, the former kansas, kansas state college alum there darren sproles um but you know you got to really go somewhere where, where he, someone's going to use you the right way you'd be able to util- utilize your strengths and that's a harder task than think we think in the nfl every every week we're questioning why these nfl coaches do what they do and it, it, i he's gonna have to go somewhere who really knows how to use them i'm just very skeptical he's ever going to start for your dynasty teams and he's, he's going to be that type of player who's going to be better for an nfl team than he is for your fantasy team Future day three pick of the Patriots. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be on that special teams too. Like the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll be excited every time he's active and he'll never do anything. I'm just gonna stick with the theme of uh Mighty Mouses out there and go with Devin Achain here. Uh just the like, same theme, guys. He's just too small. Look, uh, and then when I first put this out, like like I want to say a year ago, I was talking about size. I had like a lot of people come from me talking to me about like Emmett Smith and like other these small guys that had high draft capital from like 30 years ago. And it's like the NFL's changed. It's changed. These these their shoulder pads aren't the size of of aircraft carriers. Okay, they, we have athletic uh, linebackers now that can go side to side. The NFL has changed. I, I just these these small guys aren't really meant to be workhorses. Yeah, Chris McCaffrey did it. He did it for a few years for sure. He's a little hurt right now, so. I'm not sure if he can ever get back to that level that he used to be, but he has a lot of weight to gain. And even if he does gain that weight, like let's just say somehow he puts on 15 pounds to the draft, that's not what he played at. I'm sure he'll lose it all come the offseason, but it's just, I just, I'm not in on Devin Ochin. He can't put in the weight. I think he looks okay right now. I mean, he's definitely, there's no way he's meeting uh, the lofty expectations that people are that were promoting him. I, I just don't see it. So I'm not on Devin Ochin for his size. You know, I mean, he has to hit every single box. I mean, Kyron Williams last year was so hyped up being an all-purpose back. He And he definitely demonstrated that on film. Like, no doubt. He had a lot of really good traits. And then just one 40, like, bad 40 time at the combine, and he's a day three pick all of a sudden. Like, they have to hit every single box. And I just don't think Devin Ochi is even doing that on the field. I mean, I, much, I, I definitely think Kyron Williams was a better profile as a smaller back than Devin Ochi is. So, I'm not in on Devin Ochi at all. Yeah, I think the thing with a chain is going to be the speed, right? He's going to blow at that 4.240 and everybody's going to fall in love and and whatever, you know. I mean, Dre Archer blew a pretty fast 40 and he didn't really end up being anything either, right? So, But I definitely agree that he hasn't necessarily met the expectations that we wanted on the season. I mean, I'm looking at his game log right now. Three games under five yards per carry. One of those games being versus Sam Houston State. Uh, Only two games over 100 yards. Um, only three over 80 yards. I mean, he definitely hasn't been doing what we thought. I know Texas A&M in general hasn't really been been the team that we wanted to see either, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I just, uh, I was actually starting to let other people's opinion creep in a little bit. And I'm like, he's got the speed. Look at James Cook. He just got drafted, man. He just got drafted in the second round. He's going to be awesome too. But I mean, even look what James Cook is doing now. He's clearly at like a third on that depth chart behind Zach Moss. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be the kind of guy who's going to take a, a, take a three down roll. He's always going to kind of be this complimentary player. 
and a, a change probably going to end up being in, in that kind of role too. You know, he's going to have the speed and he's going to su uh, supply a spark. Another guy who's probably going to be better for an NFL team than he is going to be for your fantasy team. Just hoping he breaks that long run or something like that. Yeah. So. And just, and speaking of that long run, by the way, he only has one game where he has a rushing attempt over 26 yards. Just one. I mean, for someone who's built on speed, like, yeah. So yes, yeah, so it, it's been, it's been a tough year for him. I think so it, it definitely hasn't been what we had hoped, you know, taking over that Isaiah Spiller role. So I, yeah. And just two more guys I need to talk about here. These are just guys that were hyped up years ago and, and they're whispered, they're whispered by some of the more, the more, uh, the sickos, the guys are just absolutely losing their minds and just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna talk about Marshawn Lloyd here. I think he's dust. I don't think, I think his profile is bad enough that he needs to have a, a huge blow it up year. And he's just not getting that. We got we got two games this year of over 100 yards. That's it against Charlotte, against Kentucky, and he's got three games here to start off the year with 30 yards or less. I mean, Georgia State, Arkansas, Georgia, Arkansas, and Georgia goes decent defenses. Uh, South Carolina State. I, I just don't think he's done enough to bounce back his profile at all. I mean, I think he's just going to be a collegiate running back. I don't even think he gets drafted. I'm not even sure if he's a UDFA. I really don't. Are you? Are you on the same thought like mind process as Marshawn Lloyd? Like he's just yeah, he he was somebody that um a lot of us really liked coming out of high school as well. I know a lot of us are still probably holding out hope a little bit. Amazing high school film. If you ever had a chance, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Go back and look. Like this guy looked like a freaking stud. The footwork he had and stuff like that. Like honestly, I thought he was gonna be a stud. The only thing I will say is obviously beginning of the year he's still coming off of the injuries they say it takes a year to kind of really feel good about yourself after the injuries first three games pretty tough to start out your slate that way um with uh, arkansas and uga off the bat there but the last three games he's getting a little bit better right you know averaging 11.3 yards per carry uh three weeks ago against i don't even know who that is charlotte, um, you charlotte, see charlotte? yeah yeah okay <laughs> and then 7.3 against what south carolina state and then five yards per carry against kentucky like i mean it's it's not bad he's progressing i kind of want to see where the rest of the season goes it's not somebody that i'm banking on being a day two pick or anything like that um maybe if he tests really well or whatever he can sneak into day three with the with the size of this class at this point i mean it's 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 udfa it's maybe you stay another year for him as well i mean this team hasn't been that great either it hasn't really given him the opportunity to show off maybe what he can do we'll see how the rest of the year goes for him but yeah it's going to be tough sledding for marshall lloyd in the draft process right now all right last one for me here uh is somebody that's uh, I'm giving up on the way they gave up on their first name. And that's going to be Ray Davis, <laughs> AKA Raymond Davis. And I, I, I feel like I'm throwing shots here at Matt now. Cause Matt's the only one that talks about him. I mean, <laughs> I, but uh, no, Raymond Davis, right. He, he was prolific as a freshman at temple. They call him the human joystick. You know, you hear that every other year for a new running back nowadays, but uh, it goes to an injury, whatever it disappears for two years, pretty much. So he's back on Vanderbilt here. He has 200-yard games. Once again, Northern Illinois is a good game against Ole Miss here, 26 for 104. That's four yards a carry and one touchdown. I mean, he's just <laughs> meh, man. He's just meh. Like, it's no, it's, I, like, it's not meh. that – no, it's not that bad. You're, you're giving him a hard time. This guy had an amazing freshman season at Temple, over 1,000 scrimmage yards. Looked awesome. That's why they gave him the nickname. He looked really good. Good size, 5'9", 215, okay. Gets injured the next year, loses that year. Transfers to the SEC in Vanderbilt. I know it's a shitty – 
uh, program or whatever, and, and they lose a lot. But he, it was a step up in competition for him to test himself out at even a bad program as well, but got injured as well, only saw three games last year. And now I think I view it a little bit differently. I think he's having a little bit of resurgence this year. I mean, he's been pretty good for Vandy, a, a team that's not known for anything uh and he's been running the ball pretty pretty effectively. That's all. I, that's all I can say. I think he's having a little bit of a bounce back. I ain't ready to call it quits on Ramon. Again, this is a guy we're probably hoping for UDFA day three, round six, seven. That if he can hop in there, maybe he finds a way to stay another year. I think he still has his COVID year as well. So I'm still holding out hope on Ramon, on Ramon Davis, Ray Davis, Matt. Let's not give up hope, man. I'm still hoping here. Okay. Well, Corey just admitted that he doesn't think he's a day two guy either. I mean, he pretty much said he's <laughs> back at day three. Day, right? Okay, everybody can't be a day two guy. Okay, no, no, they no. cannot. We're, we're, we're talking, we're talking Devi here, man. We're talking. You Devi just, here. you just said you hope he goes to his fifth year, which we just, which we said earlier. Also, no, I, size, didn't, I didn't say I hope. I said maybe he does because he hasn't uh, had much of a career, right? He's had the one year. He's and then he's had half right. another year, right? So he's got a, he's he's got more to put on the resume. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm on the school website. Um, I just want to let everyone know that I'm looking at his. Excuse me, I'm on the school website. I want everyone to know. I'm looking at his picture, man. He, he looks like that TA that's going to give me a bad grade, man. I just, <laughs> <laughs> He's another one of those guys that's joining uh, KJ Jefferson. And I can't remember the other guy that looked like they're like 45 in high in, in college yeah, already. He, I don't know. <laughs> he's about to tell me how bad my finances are and, and put stocks on me. Uh, but uh, he is he's 205, by the way, not 215. You said that earlier. I don't know if you were. What? Oh, well, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on sports reference. It says 215. They got him listed at 205 now. He lost weight, I guess. Yeah, on his school website. Vandy? Yeah, I guess he lost his weight with his name, so. Yeah, I guess he shed some pounds there. <laughs> yeah, all right, moving, moving off Ray Davis, dude. Let's go into wide receivers here. I'm going to keep the theme up with undersized players. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, which I refuse to call him Tank. I mean, maybe we call him, like, Humvee. I don't know. He's not a tank, though, that's for <laughs> sure. So, so uh, Nathaniel Dell, he's a smaller guy here. I think he compares favorably to like uh calvin johnson from last year's draft class who's a fourth round pick who's not even really getting on the field for uh for the steelers that's it right no not calvin johnson no, i don't know who you're I don't, I don't know who you're talking about the memphis, oh you're talking about the memphis guy yeah um, yeah 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 uh what's his name oh i can't oh, even don't even know these guys names i can't even remember Debbie his assets. name because oh, they're not Debbie assets all right anyway so he's the same he's the same as that guy he's he's just super tiny he's a slot specialist like you know which is great um but some size does matter. I mean, there is a threshold. I'm not going to get to the it's point Calvin like, Austin, by the way. Calvin Austin, Calvin and Hobbs. All right. <laughs> okay. Calvin and Dell. Calvin and Tank. All right. So these these guys will will get drafted. I think I think he's a day three pick. Like he gets drafted, he stays on the team. I think maybe he gets some special team reps, but I don't think he's touched in the field. I just don't. So I'm sorry, Nathaniel Dell. I, I you you can do better. You can put up all these huge numbers, but all right, yeah. get him out all of right. here. I won't right. I won't talk about Tank Dell for the rest of the year now. Yeah, I mean, it's just too damn small. It's just, it's just too damn small. Um, I also think um, Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowan kind of fits in this bucket as well, which is somebody I'm a little bit too worried about as you well. Take that uh, back. He's six <laughs> foot. He's that six foot. Yeah, that's just five eleven. Yeah, six foot. What's his weight? One seventy five. Yeah, he's still thin. He's like he's like too thin, and I, I don't even know if I believe the six foot to be honest with you. Anyways, moving on to my guy over here. This one. Maybe a little bit controversial. Maybe not. Some people are on this. We've been on this for a while. We've had the conversations. Actually, I remember telling you late or earlier in the offseason that you need to bump them down your rankings. We had a conversation about it on the after show on Debbie debate one time. And I'm talking about Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims. Um, I, I just don't think he's really done anything to win me over still, like even throughout the year. This is a guy 
Uh, he's not the biggest guy, 5'11", 177 pounds or 180 pounds, somewhere around there. Yet he specializes in making like acrobatic jump ball contested catch situations. Um, you know, he's usually been a big, a big a dot guy. Like I think he was like 17.3 last year, but limited yak numbers guy got grabs the ball and falls down. You know, I think he was like, like bottom 20 in, in the big 12 in, in uh, yards, uh, after the catch perception last year. So, uh, I do think he's actually improving it a little bit this year. Thanks to some big plays. Um, so we'll see how that, that evens out by the end of the year, but he's also a little bit of an inconsistent guy. He, he last year, he played a little bit of a disappearing act down the stretch. Um, he always mixes in some boom games with some duds. So uh, I'm eager to, con- to see if he can kind of maintain like a more consistent role down the stretch here. He's put together a couple nice games, I think over 80 yards the past three games. Um, but, it, but he just doesn't bring that, that, that quickness or speed that I expect from a guy that's like his size as well. All right. Uh, actually led his, t- led his team and because, contested catches last year was one of the highest higher numbers in the in the big 12 last year as well with 11 contested catches to me he almost gives me um the, the comp i had for him was michael gallup but he's like so much smaller than michael gallup as well though you know what i mean he's, he's that guy who excels like kind of he would excel in that outside role if he was a little bit bigger and could and could get down the field and get over dbs at the nfl level so i'm a little bit lower on mims and i think people are expecting a little bit more from him at the next level but i would not be surprised honestly if he never became anything big time at the next level yeah, he had a, a negative dominator against Texas. I'm just picking on him, though. They didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a quarterback. That's not on him. But, uh, no, he, he's had one really big game against Kent State. It's Kent State. And then besides that, like, he just hasn't he's, – he's a field stretcher. He's a role player, the field stretcher. He has a certain role. And he's either going to make plays or he's not. Like, he's either going to catch a bomb or he's just going to be a non-factor the whole the whole game. So, I, I, you know, I'm with you. I talked bad about him, like, weeks ago. I, I, I'm with you. There's, there's no difference there for me. Um. I'm going to talk about Zay Flowers here. Which... No, you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah, <'cause, laughs> only because of Corey mentioning Jacob Cowing, all right? <laughs> uh, I think Zay Flowers has some really good intangibles. So I, I think I got to say this with like a, a bit of an asterisk here. Uh, he has some really quick feet. He really does. His hands, I don't, are like, sometimes he makes like really nice catches in traffic. And then other times it's like, how'd you drop that? How'd you not get that ball? So he's got questionable hands. There's definitely some good traits there. He's got some intangible traits, um, but he's in that same that same boat as like, okay, you're a really prolific slot player at the college level and at the NFL. I just think you're going to be lost in the shuffle because you don't have the physical attributes to succeed there. Um, so that's where I am with Zay Flowers. Gets drafted day three. I think he makes the roster, but I don't think he's a guy that has like that wide receiver two upside the next level. I don't really think he has wide receiver three upside either. So I think he's just a guy that's going to, he's just a guy. Yeah. And I honestly don't care, man, because I love Zay Flowers. So that's just what it's going to be. <laughs> but I, I agree with what you said. I think he brings something that, that some people don't have. Right. And it's, and it's that, that speed in the open field, that quickness in the open field. Like, I don't think, I honestly don't think there's another player in college that I think moves like him in the open field, even Josh Downs. Okay. The guy I love, I love Josh Downs. And I think flowers is like a twitchier, more creative guy in the open field. Now, Josh Downs is better at, at, at everything else, but, but you get my point. Like, I think, I think Zay flowers brings something elite to the table. And that's why I kind of, um, I kind of like him a little bit, you know, and I do think he's a little bit soft play strength wise. Um, there is a little bit of the hands issue. Like you said, um, you know, drops easy passes, all of a sudden makes super tough catches like that. This year, he made that huge catch over two defenders running down the field. And it's just like, what the hell? Clem- Clemson last year made a huge catch in the end zone. Uh, so, I mean, or, or two years ago, I mean, but it's just, he, he has these flashes to me. Maybe uh, I don't necessarily think he's going to be like a wide receiver one at the next level, but maybe he could be like a Sterling Shepard when Sterling Shepard was healthy, high PPR option in the slot, athletic, very twitchy all over the place, something like that. 
you know, maybe that's a, a complimentary player in the next level, but I think he could be a fun player. And I think he could be somebody that ends up starting for your team, but maybe he's a, a depth option or a wide receiver three year, but I could see him being a starter on the NFL level. These do players do get draft capital. Um, trying to think about this Tutu Atwell. I thought yeah. it was kind of similar to that. Uh, Wando Rob, well, I think Wando Robson is a little more route running than some, but I think they're kind of in the same category. Maybe a little less gadgety though. Like Zay Flowers is actually pretty versatile. He plays like outside, plays inside. He's, yeah. He he plays like a like an X wide receiver, but he's just kind of small for the side for for what he does. I mean, I'm just worried about undersized wide receivers. There are a few success stories. Uh, the smallest one that I know is successful is um, Marquise Brown. Had a great year last year. Brandon a, Cooks a, maybe too. Who? Brandon Cooks. Yes, Brandon Cooks too. I mean, he's 185, I think, for weight. So, but yeah, he's he's. He's there. I guess I was more talking about like the sub 180 crowd. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. But um. But yeah. So so if you're sub 180, it's it's just like Marquise Brownlee. That's it. Who's a stretch lot receiver? I mean, he's a role player and he's an elite role player at his job. So that makes him a boomer bust guy and someone that you can put in your your lineups. But uh, man, you're like you know you're they're biting your nails hoping that he catches that long bomb. So uh, anyway, Zay Flowers. If there's someone that gets draft capital on this list that I'm wrong about, I think it's Zay Flowers. But I'm still very hesitant on what his success is at the next level but again like the tools um i'm going to move on to someone else here i want to move on to to, to some of how, i want to talk about julian fleming here okay. uh, got some playing time i saw some people talking about him on twitter um jsn's coming back so i'm assuming that Fleming's going to be off the field but man i'm trying to get ahead of this and if fleming isn't off the field when jsn comes back i mean i just i don't know if i i don't know if mentally i can handle it I don't know. <laughs> uh, Fleming's just been a huge bust this entire time. And just because he does a little bit well right now, I'm not going to be in. I mean, like, like I, I argued on fantasy football tonight about against Trey Henderson being the RB1 um, because there's so many weapons on that offense that it's hard for defensive coordinators to scheme a certain guy out. You know, like, I, I mean, I feel like these guys have to be like, all right, well, who's the two players we're going to focus on and just hope the other one or two isn't involved in the game plan. You know, it's, there's so many weapons around that it, I think I think Julian Fleming's can get layups because he's like the forgotten man because everyone's worrying about covering Emeka Harrison and um, JSN and then oh we gotta worry about Henderson out of the backfield and then Mayan Williams we gotta worry about him too you know so I'm really out on Julian Fleming and even if he is successful I imagine he's lining up against the worst corner on the field. Yeah, the only thing that's weird about like that 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 theory in a sense is it wasn't much different for the rest of his career otherwise, right? He always had studs by him that was taking attention away, running backs that were taking attention away, quarterbacks that were taking attention away. So it, it, this is going to be the classic draft debate where you're arguing about a guy who maybe broke out in his fourth year, if he continues to break out, okay? All hypothetical, if he continues at his pace or whatever. It's going to be that, that classic analytical battle on Twitter where people are going to be like, you shouldn't throw away somebody just because he broke breaks out in his fourth year and blah, blah, blah. And then everybody's going to be like, well, if you look at all these analytics and it tells you fourth year wide receivers, you shouldn't be here. The ones that only break out in your fourth year. So it's going to, he's going to be that classic battle if he ends up making it there. And then people are going to argue about the pedigree and, and the verified metrics. And he, he probably will test very well. So somebody who had good athletic measurements coming out as well. I think he was like a four, four guy and jumped like close to 40 inches or something. So he's going to be a guy who tests well too. goes to OSU going to get the attention, going to get playoffs. If he continues, I mean, he's going to get the attention, but saying all that, I'm going to say, I agree with you hundred percent. 
I'm it's been too long for me to get to hop back in on this guy. I'm usually bad for this. I stick with guys too long. I'm not even out on DJU. You didn't hear that from me, but I'm telling you right now, uh, I'm not out on him yet, but Julian Fleming, I'm out, man. I just can't <laughs> do it anymore. I think he's just more athlete than he is wide receiver. So I just, uh, I, I'm out on him. If it's coming together in his, in his final year, the good for him. It should be coming together in your senior year with those skills. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It should be right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm out on him. Yeah. And, um, no, it, it's it's. I think just speaking on a personal level, it's hard to be out on a player that you did so much research on and you felt mm-hmm. so good about. You know, it's just something inside you is like, I can't give up on him, man. I just I did all this research on Dylan Golfney for SMU last year. Yeah. I, like you know, like I can't yeah. I can't give up on him. I mean, I got a little voice man that lets me know, and like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm better than most letting go, but but man, I. I get it though. It's hard to like let go of guys. Yeah, like you, guy. you keep you keep me sane sometimes because I have a I have a problem with it. So sometimes I gotta I gotta take what you say to heart a little more. <laughs> I am gonna let go every single wide receiver at Maryland. Okay. Don't want them. Don't want them. I think I'm good. Uh, I wrote in the offseason how Raheem Jarrett or Dante Demas, one of the two are gonna do well this year. One of the two is gonna bounce back, and one of the two is gonna get the draft capital. It's neither. Uh, who would have thought? I mean, like, who would have thought? So, yeah. um, no, it, Rakeem Jarrett seems to be need to be schemed to get the ball in his hands. As in, like, I mean, you can't get open yourself. You need to have some offensive coordinator help. You can't, I mean, whatever. So it, it's it's that. I haven't really watched Dante Demas that closely this year. Um, he, he's come back from injury. I'm sure that's lingering. It, it was a gruesome injury. Uh, but he's, he's an older prospect. I want to say this is his last year of eligibility. I'm not 100% sure, but it's. I think Demas is a UD, UDFA because that's where the injury guys go. The 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 Justin yeah. Rosses, like that's the guys that were they flashed something special. They had something bad happen. Those are the guys that end up on the UDFAs because they just want to see what's going on themselves in person. Yeah, I was hoping to see a little bit more from Jarrett this year. Now with Demas kind of slowly coming back from the injury as well, I still think it says something that Demas was able to become the guy last year, and nobody else can become the guy. So it's like that kind of makes me like Demas a little bit more, but. Then he gets the injury and it was a gruesome injury, man. Like it was a bad one. So it's like, he, he might not even be right when they go through medicals. He might not even look right. Like uh, who knows? You you never know what their repairs look like at these, at some of these college programs or, or how it ended up really becoming, you know, I, he could be suffering from it still it could be dragging him down. So I agree with you. Like it, it's hard to get in on Demas. I was never super in on Demas anyways. I, th- I just think it was noteworthy that after the year last year, even after the injury, you're already seeing him on like mock draft database, like, being in the first round or like in the second round. And I'm like, what the hell? Like this. So like the NFL clearly likes him for some reason. And he moved well at that six, three, 212 pounds or whatever the hell he was. He, he moved really well as well. So I think people like that. He, they see him as that potential X wide receiver that can be on the outside, but it's, it's going to be a long road back from, I don't know if he has another year eligibility because of the COVID. He's another guy. Cause he's coming back because of the injury, because he's going to need some time to work back, especially if this year continues to go bad for him. So, I, like, I, I think Maryland as, like, a program, like, as an offense, I think – I thought they do, like, really good play calling. Like, they keep Talia close to the line of scrimmage. Like, they know he can't throw deep, you know. They they schemed really well last year to the strengths of their team. And just this year – I mean, like, look, I, I'm on – according to PFF, I'm on Raheem Jarrett's, like, screen right now. Dude, he's got zero missed tackles for since week one. I mean, that's zero for 18 catches. I mean, he just, like – He's yeah. a catch and fall guy too. Like his yak is like non-existent either. Where's like the where's the dynamism for a guy with his like verified metrics too? Another guy who's like low four four, good shuttle time, good vertical. Like where where's all that stuff popping up? He's like not even, even doing well it. in the contested catch category. One contested catch out of five. I mean, you don't need to be five for five, but like at least give me two or three. But like, yeah. 
All right, Corey, I, I'm just I'm absolutely losing it over here. I'm getting so mad talking about these bums. Okay. Well, they're not bums. Okay. They they made it farther than me. But <laughs> I'm losing it here. I'm losing it here. Like just give me wrap it up. Talk about uh Jaheim Bell. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna cheat here a little bit. Talk about a tight end, maybe a wide receiver on the next level. Gonna gonna still be still has to be seen how the NFL is gonna view him. Um I'm going to talk about South Carolina tight end Jaheim Bell. Um, a lot of people were pretty excited about him last year. Uh, led the team in touchdowns, second on the team in receiving yards. Very good athlete for his size. Uh, verified 4640, 38-inch vert as a recruit as well. Um, even averaged the highest yards after the catch per reception last year, becoming a bit of a, a yak threat, you know, last year in, in, in the SEC, which which was really nice to see somebody who was a little bit more dynamic, somebody who could, who could take snaps out of the backfield as well. Um, my main sticking point with Jaheim, is his size. Now I understand that everybody wants to talk about the fact that he's listed at six, three, two I don't know if I see that when I look at him and when I see his last verified measurement as a recruit, and this was only in 2020. So if you think he's growing from 2020, that's on you. If you want to believe that, I don't think that happens, <laughs> but if you want to believe that, okay, he was a six, one point five, six foot one point five verified. Okay. At 213 pounds weight. I'm less concerned about. We've seen guys like Evan Ingram, uh, George Kittle, uh, no fans have put on weight as thinner recruits, but the sub six two puts him in a bucket of like tight ends that have like not managed much at the next level. Um, he's also complete zero as a blocker as well. They don't even ask him to do it anymore. They brought Austin Stogner over from from um, from Oklahoma as well with, with Spencer Rattler there. Um, he does most of the blocking now. Uh, his um, Gene Bell's blocking grades on PFF are like just awful. I mean, he's got sub 30 grade or sub 40 grades in, in run blocking and a zero in pass blocking. Don't even ask him to, I think he has one pass blocking snap and he got graded zero on it. So he clearly didn't do very well on it. Uh, So like, really you look at that complete profile, what does that leave us with? Right. You're talking about an athletic undersized tight end who might be a bit of a tweener who can't block. And I, I mean, I think I know the ideal comp here is somebody like Delaney Walker or maybe even like a like a John, John o. Smith John or Smith, yeah. yeah, John o. Smith or an Irv Smith, right? Ceiling. But, but who really haven't done much either, right? Uh, I, you know, I think the downside here could be somebody like a Marcel Reese, who was like the ex running back tight end hybrid for the Raiders, or like you have to go back and think about this a, a while ago. I don't know if you remember Rex Burkhead's early years with Cincy. I know the size and stuff is different, but he had this role that he played. He was like an H back. Caught a lot of passes out of the backfield, um, took a few rushes here and there. Um, I kind of see that role could be Jaheim Bell's role in the NFL too. Kind of like what Jonu Smith does too, I guess, right? Which he, he really doesn't see a lot of volume, but he, he kind of plays like those gadget plays every once in a while. So I think it's going to take a team who knows how to use him properly. And even them, I just don't know how viable he's going to be for like our dynasty rosters. I mean, I, I just think he's like a complimentary tight end, which is like, you don't, that's not even a starting tight end. And it's hard enough to find a starting tight end, never mind a complimentary one. So unless he like somehow becomes a running back or even at a wide receiver, he's not super athletic as a wide receiver. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to think of this guy in the NFL. And for that reason, I'm just out because I don't, I don't see a path to, to like a tight end one being on our dynasty rosters. Undersized tight ends. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Nope. <laughs> All right. Because they're athletic in college doesn't mean it translates over. I mean, like I said, everyone's athletic in the NFL. Like that's the NFL. Everyone that starts athletic. Mm-hmm. All right. Four, four uh, six is not fast in the NFL. <laughs> no. no. Um, yeah, I, I, that, I almost forgot here about tight ends. I'm glad Corey brought it up. Uh, it's our favorite position group. So I don't know how I forgot. So I'm, I'm going to speak <laughs> for Corey and myself. Any tight end that is not. Brock Bowers, Michael Mayer, Jatavion Sanders, Michael Trigg, or Oscar Delp. 
And then I am personally still in on Eric Gilbert. I don't know when I'm going to give up on him, but that's just me. If they're just not named one of those four guys or five guys, depending on who you are, we I just don't care about them. I just don't. I, I'll just I'll trade for you. I'll trade for one in the next league. I, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to invest in it. Don't worry about it. All right, guys, that wraps it up for tonight. Don't forget to check out the rest of the Campus Game podcast feed. Monday, you got Chasing the Natty, a CFF pod. Tuesday, you got Campus Life. Wednesday, you got um, Bet on C2C and Back to Debbie. Thursday, you got Canton Bound, the Debbie debate, and the official, a recruiting podcast. Uh, Saturday, 8 to 10, Better Sports app. The guys are there. You can get live phone calls. You can go ahead and call in and ask about Austin's cat. Let them know how it's going, you know? So, you know, call into the guys, talk to them on the Better Sports app in the morning on Saturday. Uh, the tailgate is starting at 10 to 12. And you got college fantasy tonight that's starting typically around 1130 or whenever the late night game ends. You can see me do my best Joe Biden impression and just forget even how to talk on that one because I, I just do. I don't know. I just can't do it. I don't know what's going on with me, but I just I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about on there. Anyway, moving forward, make sure you're tuning to the YouTube channel Saturday mornings, evenings. Just stay up to date. We're constantly throwing out news. There's reaction videos on recruits flipping. Just tons and tons and tons of content. If there's something about college football that you want, we supply it, all right? Apologies to Dane Brugler. We ran out of time. Good night and good luck. You were saying you talk a lot of nonsense there, but it's not much different here either. <laughs> <laughs>